his sports arena, his extreme rewind, and believe me, this is the dance. Got myself a poll, and I'm joined as always by Jay. How you doing, Jay? Well, I'm a little bit lost for words now because I've just spent the last 10 minutes Googling the Beyond the Mat. <laughs> Welcome to the dance speech. Found a quote of it that I was going to do as my entrance and uh, when you introduced me, and you stole it. Oh, we're all going to do like, it, aren't we? Like I stole it from you the other day, I guess. So I guess that makes us even. I kind of butchered it. I bottled it. In my head, I was going to pre-record a bit and have it. Me do the speech, then the show started, but I'm absolutely just <laughs> nerves, nerves. I'm here. We are Tonight here. we have a chance to say, yeah, you're right. We're too extreme. We're too wild. We're too out of control. We're too full of our own shit. Or we can have a chance to say, hey, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. Because we have all made it to the dance. Because believe me, this is the first ECW pay-per-view. <laughs> And dance, got freeway dance, the best freeway dance ever in history of life. So I've been told by Mr. J. We'll get there. <laughs> we are. It's one of my favourite, couple of my favourite moments. Um, but yeah, this extreme rewind. Obviously, I am Paul. That is Jay, as we've said, and as you can probably guess we are dancing. We are dancing because we have finally made it to the 13th of April, 1997, an ECW barely legal pay-per-view, their first ever pay-per-view from the ECW arena. Are you fucking 23 is old. 23. I know. 23rd anniversary. And when we started this journey, would you believe that it would, we would get to record this show literally like, Two days after the 23rd anniversary. I've got to be honest, at the halfway point, I, you know, when we started this show, I didn't think we would get out of 93, let alone to <laughs> 97 and the first pay-per-view. At the halfway point, we're still stuck in 93. That's when, we were, when, we were in the, when we were still in Eastern and we're trying to work out what the fuck is going on with, you know, the Dark Patriot turning up and all the rest of it, I didn't think we were ever getting out of there. And where the fuck's the British Bulldog? Still waiting. 200 episodes in. Can't he find will go. We'll just, get there. He's just a flex in an intro. Um, Joey Styles is in the ring. Welcome everyone to the show as the Dudley Boys slowly walk out to no music as they famously have, which is perfect, in my opinion. I wish they all walked out of no music. Uh, even though this show <laughs> didn't matter so much. Um, Dudley Boys got in the ring and before they could even talk, there was a massive fuck you, Devon chant. This crowd is ready. The, the crowd were hot. I mean, I don't know if someone came out and gave them like the, you know, probably gave them the, the same, dance. Gave them the same speech. <laughs> exactly the same speech. Word for word. Um, but, you know, they were, they were hyped. They were hot. They were ready. They knew they were part of something. They knew that, you know, their little ragtag promotion has, uh, you know, made it to something. The energy, you could kind of feel it. I think it's something, you know, it reminds me a little bit of how you and I felt on some of the, the early progress shows when you knew you were part of something that was really kind of catching fire. Yeah, no, I get um, that. So, yeah, I mean, just the energy in the room was just like ridiculous for this. And, um, yeah, I don't know why Devon was the one that got all the hate, but everyone was fuck you, Devon. 
Fuck you, dude. Well, no, Progress is a great um, comparison. The the Brixton show, we were there, and literally it just, it all sort of, everything just led to that moment. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Havoc's music thing. But that's oh, different. Is, I just wish I had a longer ring walk. That's why we're doing <laughs> Welcome like three, to review of Progress. Three, three laps. We'll, I guess we'll get there, maybe. Um, <laughs> yes, obviously, the Devon begins to crap on the chair, uh, crowd. Rattle them up a bit, get everything going, and finishes off with it's now time to testify as it cuts to an intro, which is a pay per view intro, which states it's the first pay per view. At this point, I was getting really excited, even though I've seen the show before quite a few times. Yep. And it's 23 years old. Yep. Because of this new route that we've taken to it, I feel very much in, um, I was invested and I felt like I'd almost ordered this thing and it was, you know. I, I, so I've I've got this weird connection to it because we have watched this company grow and build and and get to here. Yeah. So I do have kind of like this weird emotional connection to, you know, oh they did it, knowing how this story fucking ends because it's it's a a twenty three year old story. I've lived through this once already, but reliving it through, you know, Extreme Rewind and watching it through and through and through, it, it still has that moment to me of like oh, they've made it. But that's it. But that's why we encourage people not just to listen to the show, go and watch it as well. We just flick through bits because, yeah. you know, you can find yourself, you know, everything old is new. You can get reinvested. You forget the stories. You forget the characters. You pick up new characters like we have done with the JT Smiths and all that. And, um, yeah, I thought JT Smith was on this with FBI originally. but I don't think so. Yeah, no. Unless it was like a dark match or something, but no. Yeah. Um, so, um, Chris Chetty and JT Smith defeated the FBI, yeah, Guido and, and Smothers in a tag team dark match. There you go. I knew he was involved somehow. So he was, you know, that's the blow off of the feud between JT Smith and the FBI. <laughs> that's his return after 30 days of Scorpio as well, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, well, he, it's another one. I mean, obviously, we get to that, get to everything, but, um, He's another one that deserved to be really at some point on this show because I remember him backstage in the This Is The Dance thing because he's there, like almost front and centre. Yeah, which is funny because it just shows how much of a family it is in the sense that, you know, this is the big night, so a load of their mates still came down to support them. Yeah, and he's obviously been there from, you know, East and all the way. He's probably the longest consistent him and the Sandman. He was... Was he Eastern? I, I think he was about 90. No, he was probably earlier than he was 95. Eastern. He was he? Eastern. Sure, he was Eastern because he was um, feuding with um, Dark Patriot. He was the one getting dragged, thrown off with the rope around his legs and everything. JT Smith? Yeah. I thought you were talking about Scorpio. No, JT Smith. Oh, JT Smith. Yeah, yeah. I said JT Smith's back because of Scorpio thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, JT Smith. Uh, yes, has been um, there all the way through and, and uh, as we keep saying, was responsible for training a lot of people who, who came through, like, for instance, Francine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely he's been, he's been like the lifeblood of ECW all the way through, which is why he was, you know, my franchise player for quite a while at the very beginning in the Eastern days. It's very true. Um, yes, yeah, so... Tony Cairo. Another one we met along the way, the multi-tool of wrestling. 
or legend, sort of. Uh, t available at Dazzle.com. It is. Uh, Joe Gantner basically gets the mic, rattles the crowd a bit more before introducing both the Dudleys. Eliminators music hits, and it is actually their music, which is um, exciting. I loved it. So um, the, the, the Gertner stuff, is that the first quintessential stud muffin-esque rhyming intro that he's done? I think he's rhymed sentences, but not a full sort of bit. Yeah, I think that's he, the first he's kind dabbled, of... But this is the full-on, you know... I mean, it's a pay-per-view. It's a time to go full-on. This is true. But, you know, so Eliminators music hit. Then we get Dudley Boys, who are the champions, defending their titles against the Eliminators. Eliminators hit sign guy with a total elimination. Straight away. Straight off. Then they yep. jumped from... Behind. Crowd goes apeshit because they've come out hot. They've already hit their big move. Crowd went apeshit. A way to, I mean, just brilliant on how to get the crowd on their feet from the absolute beginning is, you know, that move on someone straight away, bang, crowd's up. That's it. And this crowd was like, I don't think there's any better match to start no. the show with because everything just came across like megastars bubba hit a power bomb and shouted out motherfucker before landing it which i thought was just great mm-hmm. um just setting the scene for the night really um after the early attack it basically became an eliminators showcase yep just absolute masterclass. they got everything in they showed why they were sort of we've been saying for ages they're probably the best team in the world at this point Sort of just yes. so in tune, move after move, synchronized craziness, eventually hitting total elimination on Bubba for the free crowd, and everyone goes absolutely crazy. Yeah, three time tag team champions. I mean, from the very beginning, you know, they walk out and Saturn's intensity just is uh, ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, just brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, all the way through. Just all the way, just lifted. Man, it's just, um, just absolutely crazy. But while they're celebrating, Joe Gertner grabs the mic and says the Dudley boys have won to a score of 86 to 83. So they are still the tag team champions. Yeah, uh, it turns out those those stupid fans aren't clever enough to understand the scoring system. And... Um, then he gets hit with total elimination, which I think is where the neck brace comes from. I think this is where it's the quote-unquote injury. Wow. So we need to see. So we could we could be on the cusp of the proper Joel Gertner. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think this is the injury that he was forever milking because he hasn't been he hasn't taken any bumps up to this point, has he? No. Yeah, so this was the big payoff, and I think this might be, but we'll see. Um, we then get basically Joey Styles running down the main event, leading to a very quick hype video for the Sandman, which again, just a little something, something. We then get Joe Gertner says, we we're supposed to have Lance Storm versus Chris Candido, but Chris Candido is um, injured, but he is in the ring right now. Um, pretty decent promo by Candido here. Yep. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought he did very well on it. Yeah. Um, basically, covers that he was at the first um, Eastern Championship wrestling show held at the arena. He left to take over the wrestling world last time. This time last year, he was a tag team champion at WrestleMania. 
but he came back. All that sort of groundwork. So very open in where he'd been and what he'd done, which um, always a credit to ECW. Obviously, other federations that are very much like, hey, who's this madman? I don't know where he's from. ECW were completely opposite. They kind of embraced, the, yeah, the... or or they they kind of um, suggest they know who it is, but not really kind of say who and where from. That, that that's 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 who, who, what the that that's the bushwhackers, <laughs> and no kind of understanding of who the bushwhackers were or why we'd understand. I don't know why we're bushwhackers. It felt right. It did feel right. Um, so yeah, had that, and then we had Lance Storm versus Rob Van Dam, Candido and Lance Storm sort of embrace as they passed each other. Pretty enjoyable Which match. Was nice. There was a lot, a lot of heat for Lance Storm's weak chair shots, which I thought was kind of. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were weak. <laughs> they were weak. But he was trying to protect his co-worker, and um, yeah. Uh, they linked up pretty well, given a lot of time, these two, all things considered. Rob Van Dam ended up hitting the Van Daminator for the win. So, I, you know, I think that might be the first time we've seen the five-star frog splash, albeit not called the frog splash. Yeah. Um, we saw Rolling Thunder, but we've seen that a few times. We saw the um, drop-down roll-through into a, a Boston Crab rather than the single-leg crab. So... You know, again, we we can see the evolution of Lance Storm here, um, and yeah, the first time to my memory that it's been referenced as the Van Daminator. Um, yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Like I said, everything's just a lot of firsts all in the show, but the main bit comes after the um, the match itself. Once Rob Van Dam won, he basically said that he sold out on himself by being on this show after being treated like a second-rate wrestler, which I thought was... Because um, obviously it's meant to be Lance Storm, Chris Candida, he wasn't even meant to be on the show. I'm guessing yep. just being Sabu's corner or just walk out with Sabu. Yep. He said, but he sold out himself because he's now going to be worth more money here and more money elsewhere, which I thought was um, great. And the crowd all chanted, get the fuck out. Uh, for a guy who really wasn't renowned for his speaking, I think um, this and obviously other bits, very, very strong. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a bad promo. It's just for some reason in WWE especially, um, you know, everyone thought he was like, dude. Well, it's the same, I guess, in almost like the Matt Riddle Thing. They're both good speakers, but when you have like sort of the heat, the heat of like intensity, we've got like Sotel Tez sort of shouting, and Rob Van Dam is like, "Yo, bro, calm down. What's wrong? It's not that bad." It kind of almost like kills the flame a bit, but it's just the character. Yeah, but um, yeah, this I thought was absolutely um, tremendous, amazing bit by Rob Van Dam in the. Almost had that very shooty vibe. Don't know if it was. Um, Joey Stahl then tells people to get ready for the next match. Of course, it is the Mishinoku Pro International six-person match with Terry Boy, Dick Tongo, and Taka Mishinoku, which is BWO International or Japan, versus the great Sake. Um, I wasn't sure if it's... 
Grand because one of them wasn't there, wasn't it? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Great Sasuke, Grand Hamada, and uh, Masayuki Yakushi. Yeah, instead of Grand. Um, no, the other one, yeah, yes. No. Um, wild match. Probably best match of the night as in solid wrestling. BWO win, though. It's hard to really make notes about anything that happened. It's just sort of crazy. It was a good style, yeah. Um, uh, Grand Naniwa was the person who replaced that's him. That's the one. Um, yeah, no, it was. It was It was a really good uh, match, good paced. It was um, a, a really interesting... Uh, they were saying that Mishinoko Pro has a real kind of hybrid style of um, Japanese and Lucha Libre style wrestling, um, which you can really kind of see coming through with some of the, the high spots and... Uh, some of the high flying maneuvers, as well as a little bit more of kind of like the the, the strong style, impact style wrestling. Uh, so it was it was a good match. It was, and what I also enjoyed that I thought was clever was um, by making um, Tucker, Dictongo, and Terry Boy part of BWO. You guaranteed a pop. You guaranteed that you knew they were the faces. Yep. So you told half the story before it even started. So you were able to be invested in the match before anything really happened. I thought that was... Yeah, you've, you've got your fans. You've got your favourites before you even start. Yeah, from a booking standpoint, I just thought it was clever. Yes. So yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, we then get a Stevie Richards promo. I thought this was very Raven-esque. It was. In I think way... it was meant to be. Yeah. Um but showing that he's kind of taking on and he's becoming, he's stepping out of Raven's shadow uh, rather than, rather than just being in the background and, and also trying to put a little bit different um, spin on him because obviously up until now he's been the goof. He's been the, 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 the funny guy. His promos have been the funny guy. He's the guy that pretends to be other people. Um, so this was a bit more intensity in his, in his delivery. He's taking it seriously. He's taking it seriously. He's obviously stepped into the BWO. BWO, even though he's still very comedic, he's almost having this like serious bit. Well, at least he is. Yes. Um, we then get Shane Douglas versus Pitbull 2. There's not really much you can explain about this feud that hasn't already been explained. It's gone on for ages with Pitbull 1 getting his neck broken by Shane Douglas. It's been an ongoing thing and it led to this moment. Obviously, Shane Douglas is the TV uh, title champion, so this is for that. Shane Douglas comes out, um, pretty much the biggest heel in the company. The Riot Squad walking him to the ring, but I've got one question for you. What's that? Where the fuck is Mike Awesome? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. Yeah. Um, uh, he obviously was... I mean, I know, like, I've heard of one-shot deals, but this is ridiculous. He came out, he was Francine's protector, and I have not seen him since. It's like the forgotten story. Yeah, and he's... Well, amongst many, I think. But yes, and it's... Um, you know, we're on for the third or fourth debut of Mike Awesome in ECW. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's just... A... A guy who, I'd completely forgotten about that until you mentioned it. But yeah, he, he, was, he, was, he was the personal protection, wasn't he? 
it's like it's been playing on my mind and for the last couple of shows i've been wanting to drop it but i've been saving it for the <laughs> you built it for a pay-per-view in my own head i've built this for like a, a couple of weeks so it's like, i'm gonna drop the awesome bomb see what i did there i did yeah and um yeah so he comes out with the right squad um as one does pitbull two obviously comes out Pitbull one is shown in the crowd yeah gary wolf is in the crowd <laughs> i don't know what's happened to this guy his neck was fine two weeks ago he's wrestling shane douglas his now neck is is broken again and he can only get a yep. seat in the crowd. And he just looks so heartbroken to be in the crowd. Ooh. He looks embarrassed that people are shouting his name. Doesn't want to be there. But why would he just not be in Pitbull 2's corner? Yeah. His, his mate is basically stolen a feud off his friend getting injured at this point. Yeah. At least let him walk you out. Do anything. Francine... He's wanted by every man in the planet. Is still there with Shane Douglas. Your mate, who you're defending his honour, has to get a ticket. Yeah, not well, e- I mean, not maybe guess, they gave him a discount. Not even guest commentator. No. Although, you know, that would be a silly role to give someone. Um, you know, maybe they gave him a discount. Maybe it was like a friends and family. I, mean, I don't for a second think it was a free ticket. But maybe it was, you know, they gave him like first refusal. He's part of the ECW club, so he got to... to to get his ticket first. It could be. I'm sure he got hooked up by Pitbull too. Um, this match was given a lot, a lot of time. It was. Um, I felt that it had a far better um, uh, it was a far better match than I expected it to be. Um but it wasn't the match I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a little bit more blood and thunder and stuff than, you know, some some technical points and some other bits and, and a few other bits. Yeah, no, I mean, it was like I said, it was a good back and forth match. Um, Shane Douglas picked up the win and retained the title, which I felt was very, you know, ECW. I guess there was a lot of heels dropping titles I mean, so you had to have sort of one come through, and it makes sense that it was him. Absolutely, because and also they've they've got a bigger story in mind for him. So they have, and it, you know, there's only so many like feel good sort of moments you can have in this show. So the fact that you know, in the nicest possible way, the biggest asshole in the company sort of retains. It's not a bad, not a bad point in my opinion. Absolutely. So, but the main story happens after the match. You hear Rick Rude's voice over the Tanoi system. So uh, to, to reiterate, one of the stipulations on this is if Shane Douglas wins, the masked man has to unmask. Yep. So, so by Shane Douglas winning, the masked man, who we all think might be Rick Rude, but we're not sure, has to come out and unmask. Yep. So, yeah, so you hear the voice over the, the Tannoy. Yeah, so you hear the voice over Tannoy. Basically, Rick Rude sort of, um, well, the masked man sort of comes the out. The masked man, we don't know it's Rick Rude. Well, he's, wearing masked a, man. he's wearing a simply ravishing coat, which makes you think yes. it's Rick Rude. So he gets. Could be anyone. Gets, Could be anyone. 
It could be anyone. He gets in the ring. Did he do the Rick Rude pose now? He does. Then he kisses Francine. Does, and she she collapses. Yep. As that happens, one of the Riot Squad takes off their helmet, which can I say they've done a pretty piss-poor job at this point. Yep. Because what are they there for? I mean, we'll, we'll get into, you know, piss-poor so back up in, in a later match, but yep. <laughs> takes off the uh, Riot Squad helmet to reveal that one of them is um, Rick Rude. In something that I think they give a nod to when they do the one night stand, and Edge comes out as the right squad man and takes his head off. Yeah. Which I, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a, um, incomparable. Think it's a nod. I've only just noticed. Yeah, yeah but it must be. Um, yeah. Because it makes no sense otherwise. Um, yeah, so basically that happens. Rick Rude is in standing behind, which means it's not Rick Rude that's kissing Francine. The mask comes off to realize it is the bulldozer for hire. Which we've touched on for weeks. Obviously, knowing the outcome of this point, we've said there's always been bits dropped in. He's not really in the triple threat. He's a bulldozer for hire. He keeps stating it. He'll go where the money goes. He's with Raven. He's with Shane Douglas. He's a bulldozer for hire. He wants the money. He said this over and over and over, which then makes sense to what you were saying the other week, saying, why is he continually in the mask when everyone knows him saying it's Rick Rude? This is why. All for this twist. All for this twist, where obviously the bulldozer for hire has been hired and is a part of the triple threat and has sold out and choke slams, a decent choke slam, but we'll get to that later, on um, <laughs> Shane Douglas. While Rick Rude danced and Francine can't stop thinking about kissing the bulldozer. For hire. Yeah. <laughs> she gives a hire him. Uh, what do you think of the payoff? Um, I didn't understand the need for the bulldozer twist. Other than the fact that you obviously can't have Rick Rude wrestle, so you need to have someone else primed to wrestle Shane Douglas. Um, but you know, as much as there's the whole kind of you know he's 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 loyal to the pay packet and not the triple threat, and he's a hired member of the triple threat rather than an indoctrinated member of the triple threat. Um, I don't quite understand why you'd 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 make that switch the other thing that struck me again is uh, and you know we, we keep banging into these moments that kind of give you that kind of idea and that kind of that that perspective but brian lee in ecw is a big guy you know chokeslam big big guy yeah um He's he's pretty much the same height as as Rick Rude, who didn't feel like a big guy in when watching him in WWE. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. He always so yeah. Uh, same with what we had with with when we were, went and saw nine one one as Big Al or Tombstone Tombstone or... against uh, Lex Luger, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he just didn't, he just looked like a guy, a normal guy, um, after being this monster. And it's just, you know, you, you start getting this understanding of that, you know, you hear all the time that, that WWE is the land of the giants. And it's only at points like this that you realize what they mean by that is, yeah, you know, everyone's walking around is, is six foot plus, um, 
you know, the, the, the shorties are six, six, two, and then the other ones are seven foot and, and higher because, you know, this, this huge bulldozer for hire is the same height as Rick Rude. And I don't remember him towering above people in, in WWE. Yeah, I mean, he's always, I guess he's always been a tall guy, but he, like you said, he's been surrounded by people that are of similar height. He's never been short, but he's always been there or thereabouts, maybe like marginally taller than a Kurt Hennig or someone. But I guess, yeah, your Hogan's and all that, which makes me think um, if you go back and watch SummerSlam, Undertaker versus Undertaker, how much shorter was the second Undertaker? Because that was Brian, yeah. though, wasn't it? So I don't know if that would have been noticeable going back and watching it. Because that must have been a good few. Um, but yeah. But um, yeah, that's your payoff. So I guess we'll find out. Uh, I'm guessing Brian Lee feud, uh, feuds with the franchise now. Is he still with Raven or we'll find out? It's Raven with Raven. <laughs> so true. Uh, we get a Taz promo again. Um, continued in saying he's going to choke him out. The talking's been done now. They just need to get on with it. Better year of talking. It's time. Psyched for this match. Yeah, I mean, this match really was... I mean, Taz comes out to his, his proper ECW theme on this at the time. This was the second version without the lyrics, just the instrumental. So um, I was impressed they've kept that in still. Um, Sabu doesn't have music. He literally just sprints to the ring. But yeah, this this yeah. had a real... Um, I don't know. For a wrestling thing, I can only really compare it to the kind of buzz I get for a UFC fight. It has that... Big, yeah, it, it had a big fight, real fight kind of feel. It had that big fight feel where it felt like a UFC pay-per-view was announced, you know, four months ago, five months ago, and you had to wait for this event to turn up. It feels like that. And it was like... You think, wow, we're finally here. And again, it's a credit to the show that you can get that emotionally invested. Like we said, 23 years after it's actually happened, gone through this journey, and we can be excited about this match despite obviously seeing it, knowing the outcome and everything that comes from it. It's um, yeah, it's, it's a credit to how well parts of it were told. Um, yeah, absolutely. The match itself... It's a good mixture of brawl with wrestling. Sabu using his body as a weapon to get the advantage. Obviously a chair. Taz using his hands as a weapon, as he stated. Loads of suplexes working on Sabu's neck. And um, yeah, what did you feel about it? I thought it was good. I thought it was a uh, pretty good back and forth. Um, I thought it was quite a good... Um, trying to uh, tell the story of two different styles. Um, you had uh, Sabu, you know, with the single leg, with more wrestling ground and pound stuff. You had Sabu try to hook on the, the transmission himself. Um, so they really kind of showed that these two are evenly matched. They know each other's styles. They've spent a long time watching and studying each other to get to this point. Um, so they were familiar with each other very well. Um, and, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the story they, they, they were telling throughout. Kind of until the end. 
<sighs> the end, I'm massively, massively disappointed. So, Taz, like we saying, hit plenty of Taz plexes, got the Taz mission on, and he won the match. Clean. Clean. Um, job's done. You know, after everything that's gone, fine. What then followed was slightly confusing. So Taz then gets the mic and we've stated before issues with this, proceeds to do a respect angle with Sabu. You took me to my limit, brother. And if you ever want to rematch, I'll be waiting because after calling you out for a year and all the rest of this shit and this being a real blood feud that we've been going on forever and me trying to teach various people how to break your neck, um, uh, I respect you. And the crowd were crapping on this. Yes. Imagine if Taz had got the um, the mic and started off the same way and be like, Sabu, let me just tell what happened. I just choked you out. Now get the fuck out of my ring. Yeah. And then... And that's the thing. It started that way. You know, you know, it started with, you know, I know you're a bit dazed, so let me just tell you what happened. I choked you out. Yeah. And you know, it started with that kind of, and, and it was that badass kind of like, I don't respect anyone. I, you know, I, I think I'm the most legit athlete here. We've, we've gone backwards and forwards for a year. You beat the Tasmaniac and the, and Taz has just choked you the fuck out in the middle of my ring. Exactly. I choked you out. I get the fuck out of my ring. Sabu's walking to the back. Rob Van Dam walks out, sort of shoves Sabu and says, what the fuck are you doing? They then get in the ring and attack him and everything unfolds. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's your 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 fantasy booking. That's your rebooking of the story. What actually happens <laughs> is they shake hands, they embrace, they then kind of go to leave. Then Rob Van Dam runs out in a whole kind of what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then they beat up. They beat up Taz. They throw Taz, Taz out on a table. Sabu tries to springboard off the top rope, put Taz through the table on the outside, loses his balance, falls back in the ring, quickly tries to jump up again. While doing this, the table breaks and Sabu and Taz falls on the floor through the table. Sabu then just thinks, fucks it, and launches himself straight over onto Taz, <laughs> trying to save what's going on. They then get in the ring again. Uh, Bill Alfonso then just gets in the ring and rips his shirt off to show that he's got a Sabu Rob Van Dam shirt. No, Sabu shirt. So, so he takes off his his orange Taz t shirt to sh- uh, orange Taz shirt to show that he's got a Team Taz t shirt. Joey Styles is bigging up that you know Bill Alfonso is 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 Team Taz through and through. Blah blah blah. Two things. Firstly, I don't know why we're suddenly. Uh, rooting for Bill Alfonso. And secondly, this whole kind of, you know, oh, look, he's got a Taz shirt underneath. He's Team Taz through and through was just a little bit choreographing exactly what was about to happen. Well, yeah, massively. And um, he then basically, was his issue because he bit on Sabu? Yeah, Taz cost him money by, by, by winning. Um, now, if that's the case, if yeah. that's what you want to do, then, uh, you know, you're nothing without me. I, 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 I made you blah, blah, blah. Fine. Um, you know, there was a whole kind of, he's not done anything whilst, whilst all of this is happening. He looked disappointed with Taz whilst Taz was doing the, the respect angle. 
And I, I thought that was a whole kind of, you know, I could see that being a whole kind of, you lost your edge. What the hell? You've lost your, ha- your edge. You, you, you're a killer. You, you know, why are you respecting this guy? This guy's dirt and you've just proved that. He doesn't deserve your respect. You've done everything that you said you were going to do. You know, focus up. Stop. Don't be soft on this. You're a killer. You yep. killed him. Next. Yeah. Um, but we don't get any of that. We get that he's wearing a Cebu shirt and he's now aligned to RVD in Cebu because Taz, because he bet on Cebu and Taz has cost him money by beating Sabu, even though at no point has Fonzie tried to introduce himself into the match in any way, shape, or form to stop Taz beating him. Well, I said, if there was basically throughout this thing, there could have been bits where Taz had like, barged past Bill Alfonso or Bill Alfonso tried to talk him around stuff and he hadn't done it. Or, do you know what I mean? There was some lack Something. of... Something. Yeah, yeah, a tease. Like we'd seen with the bulldozer. There was always that tease. And no matter yeah. what he did, he always stayed. He was a bulldozer for hire, which meant whoever paid him the money, he would go. Even if it meant dressing up as the Undertaker, he was for hire. All yeah. right. And Raven and Stevie, we saw that building and building over weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. <coughs> That's the thing. So they've been building it up, like you said, for weeks and weeks. But this one, they just completely, nothing really came from it. It just completely kind of bypassed it all over. And it just turned out, it took the shirt off. You cost me money. And for some reason, that's a way to justify it. Sorry about the coughing fit there. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was just kind of like, you know, a sudden turn. And, and the only one I can think of in recent time that's been so abrupt was um, Bubba Ray siding with Devon. One day they just decided they weren't fighting anymore. And actually, they're going to be friends. Yeah. It's true. Don't be wrong. Both beneficial in the long run work out extremely well. It's just... Absolutely. Just... And you could say that uh, Taz, to, to get onto that next level, didn't need Fonzie anymore. And I completely understand that. And he works better in that kind of loner, lone wolf kind of gimmick. So shedding the team Taz and just becoming kind of the path of rage. And you give him something to be angry about. Yeah. You know, you've given him a beef. Makes perfect sense. Just it was a soft turn. It was just so soft that, you know, this is this is what he's done. He's just kind of decided he's not going to support him anymore because he bet on someone else for for no reason. Yeah. So for, for, for no reason. So just as everyone has started to get confused with all this, um, Rob Van Dam stepped in, saves the segment, basically grabs the mic and says, um, anyone wants to book him, talk to Bill Alfonso. His new manager. His new manager. Yep. He'll sort him out and he loves to work Mondays. <laughs> yep. He knows, my, he knows my calendar. He knows my rates and I love to work Mondays. Which I thought was just brilliant. Absolutely. That's, that's, again, that's the other side where we said, Saying it without having to say it. You don't yeah. have to go, I want to go to WWE. Everyone knows the Monday Night Wars are going on. And by him saying he loves to work Mondays, he's saying any company that wants it, let's go. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that promo did, you know, literally turn my frown upside down because I was I was kind of confused by this end disappointed by this end i think it took away from the feud i think it took away from the the 
the uh, the match. Um, I, I have such an issue with this respect angle anyway. They kind of played it in at the beginning with the Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm. You know, this punk doesn't respect anyone, which which we've seen kind of go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so I was really disappointed when Taz did the respect angle because it felt very out of character for him. And again, you've just had a year-long build to a feud with a guy and it turns out one 17 minute and 49 second match later, you're good. Well, I've proved my point now. Good job, me. So I was really kind of, you know, frustrated by the match through, but RVD's promo and RVD kind of, you know, cutting that and making those references did kind of lighten me and kind of bring me back into, yeah, all right. I, I, I liked that bit. Yeah. And I was exactly the same. Um, Tommy Dreamer then joined Joey in commentary, getting ready for the triple threat match. Stevie Richards, Salmon, and Terry Funk winner fights Raven for the ECW World Heavyweight title. So I just immediately Bueller was also on color commentary with Tommy Dreamer. Yep. Headset in front of the monitors. <laughs> Bueller was also on commentary. <laughs> I thought these are a tremendous pair on commentary in general. Like Tommy Tommy <laughs> Tommy Dreamer with his whole um, <laughs> don't don't talk to me kind of attitude. Yeah, so he kind of he kind of, you know it, it felt like a really weird way to get Tommy Dreamer into the bit uh, into into the pay per view and into the match. But don't forget, give he, him a pop of he would have been in this match if he didn't obviously give his place to Terry Funk like a hero. Yes, yes, he yes, um, but yeah, I mean, he basically he he had a couple of little comments to make, nothing much. Uh, then when the match really started heating up and Funk was in, in a fair amount of trouble. Um, was that was that at the end of this one? or No, that was that was at the beginning of the next one, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember. So, so spoilers, Terry Funk wins in this match. Um, love to the fact that we'll do a little bit on the match and then we'll kind of loop back to Tommy Dreamer's commentary because I don't remember if it was, it was no, the, but- the triple threat or the... What we wouldn't talk. Yeah. That was the main event. He asked Joey. Yeah. Joey tried to talk to him as Raven music hit. And he said he wanted to be left alone for this. Yeah. I, I can't concentrate. I, I, I can't do commentary. And we're like, no, we, we know you can't do commentary. Yeah. Um, uh, and concentrate. Because um, the, the freeway yeah, so- is when he says the greatest freeway hardcore dance he's ever seen. Fair. Yeah, it was um, good. I mean, Night Line was crossed was all right as well. <laughs> was that that one had barbed wire as well so you know although this one did in a different way um but the three-way was very good i thought yeah um i enjoyed the sandman just fucking off finding things and throwing them at terry funk's head yeah he knew his role in this yeah just get the plunder aim for terry funk's head yeah so yeah he he went and found a ladder just chucked it in whacked terry funk went and found a bin chucked it in whacked terry funk uh, a bit of sheet metal chucked it in whacked terry funk and terry funk's just just absolutely getting clotted on the back of the head by random flying metal objects um just out of nowhere and the bin um, and steel yeah just just the most bizarre selection of things and that's before we get to the streamers that we'll get to in a second um Stevie Richards is the first eliminated. Yeah. Now, 
that makes perfect sense. But what I love is the fact that he, they were elimin- he was eliminated because Terry Funk and Sandman ganged up on him. Yeah. And I thought that was, was brilliant. And yeah, that was just great. Um, Sandman hits a seesaw spot with the ladder on the ropes. So jumps off the, the, the apron, hits the ladder, which then pops up and hits Funk and Stevie Richards in the face. However, the ladder also flips off out onto the apron and whacks uh, Sandman as well. So this ladder shot took out all three of them, which was just brilliant. Um, but yeah, Stevie goes after a double powerbomb and both covering him to pin him. Uh, and then we're into Terry Funk versus the Sandman. And Sandman gets the party streamers. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this was from the international six-person match earlier on. Obviously, they pushed him straight under the ring. And they've got caught up with the barbed wire, I'm assuming. Yeah. But just a, a brilliant visual of, you know, these party streamers just wrapped around barbed wire. Yeah. I thought um, it's, it's one of those things that organically worked out really good. Yeah, I just it looked like I said it's a really cool spot, and you could obviously see it. Then you knew where it was in the ring, and they're just getting dropped on it. And if you came in late, you probably would have been slightly confused why he's selling party streamers so much. But yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Hard, but it turns out they're hardcore party streamers. Yeah, hardcore party streamers. But no, overall, it was um, it, it was good. Like we said, um, moonsault onto Sandman covered in barbed wire to get the win. Terry Funk yes. moves on. Obviously, it's well. But it's already bloodied and open. Yep. It's, it's hell of a match. It was a great match. 19 minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah, it's obviously well documented that this show went over time. So Raven's music hit instantly. Like you could imagine yes. out the back, it was just like, get the fuck out there. No, no big long walk, nothing. Just straight in the ring. But it kind of worked in the sense of taking advantage of a downed opponent as well. Yes. So maybe this is the way it was meant to be, but it's just because of the timings, you think maybe it wasn't. So, um, yeah, they got in the ring and um, proceeded to all happen, didn't it, really? Yeah, so... I mean, it was kind of what I was expecting. Um, again, my 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 gripe with it, my main gripe with it is um, I don't understand why in a hardcore situation where anything goes and no one gets DQ'd for anything, you have to do the ref bump before people can run in and beat up people. Because the referee is just going to stand there and watch. He has done in other matches. So why in this one is, is it important that the ref takes a bump so that he doesn't witness the people running in and attacking? Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just this, it's, it's on all of the, um, all of these, all of the, the ECW shows, but yeah, it's just a bit odd still. It is odd. So um, during the match, Ravens obviously taunting Tommy Dreamer. Um, taunting, taunting. Dreamer, after stating that he wouldn't get involved, he promised Terry Funk. 
so sense. I loved that bit. So so Terry Funk is is and I loved it and then I felt a little bit cheated from it. So Terry Funk is bleeding heavily. Yeah. And Raven is putting the boots in. And Terry Funk is bleeding and they don't know if he can continue because he's bleeding so heavily. And the crowd are calling for Tommy. They are chanting, Tommy, Tommy, expecting him to run down. And you can hear the anguish in his voice of like, guys, I'd love to, but I promised him. And that torn of like, oh, I, I, but I want to help him, but I told him I'd stay out of it. It was his best bit. I mean, whether again, that was just to ad lib or because he wasn't expecting people to like chant him like that. I thought it was tremendous. I did. Yeah, I, I thought that was the, the, the moment. And I could feel that real kind of angst of he wants to do it on his own. And, and I respect him so much. Mm. And he wants to fight this on his own. And I don't want to take that for him. So I, I can't get in there and help him. And I can't get in there and take the beatings for him. He's got to do this on his own because that's what he promised me I would let him do. Yeah, because for him to ignore it just would have been like fucking stupid because it was so yes. loud. That... And and a bit heelish. At that point, you're just, you know, delighting in, in your, your mentor being beaten up. Yeah. But um, he didn't get involved, but he, was, he did stand up eventually, ripped the chain off. And as he did that, old Big Dick Dudley returned from behind and clattered him. And at this point, I can't lie, I was laughing. Yeah. Because I thought Tommy Dreamer is getting fucked up again. He built himself up so, to be the hero, and here he is getting beaten up again. So Raven, so Raven's new nest, who I can't even remember who it was, ran in and, and, and hit the worst-looking sit-out powerbomb. Um and Raven gets the mic and tells Tommy Dreamer that just like him, he's going to stack up even more tables and throw Terry Funk through them all to break his mentor in front of him. Yeah. Um, which is quite a threat if if Tommy Dreamer hadn't bounced back from it in a segment um, with with a plaster on his head. Um, so that's that's the final straw. Tommy can't stand by and watch this this gang warfare on his his mentor and then watch him get sacrificed through these tables. So he stands up ready to take action and there's Big Dick. Yeah. I mean, returning obviously as a heel, you know, because when he was there before, he wasn't aligned with uh, Bubba or Devon. No, so he, was, he was feuding with. Yep, so he's obviously come back as a heel, which is the turn. Um, tries to choke slam in, it's reversed, and love Toby Dreamer, but quite possibly the worst fucking choke slam I've ever seen in my life. Since big, big uh, yeah, off. I mean, for an innovator of violence, it wasn't very innovative and it wasn't very good. And I mean, you could have you could have quite happily done a chair shot, which teaches him, over, teaches him over and he falls through the tables. You could have done it safely. You could have done it fine. Yeah. You could have done that just as well as a choke slam. And why are you choke slamming, you know, this monster? Why, why does that make any sense at all? You've never used a choke slam in your life. Why is that? Why is this the moment? Would be like Cesaro, Other than... Cesaro choke slamming the big show, wouldn't it? It'd just be... Yeah. Using the move against their move, it makes no sense. And it's a shame because I know Tommy probably watched it back and was fuming with himself and probably like cringed every time he watched it. But and the, I mean, the thing is, we know that a choke slam is a lot to do with the person who is selling the move. 
you know, how high they can jump, how, how much they help the person delivering the move. And Big Dick Dudley is many a thing, but he's not a good worker. And it turns out he's not really that good at jumping when he's <laughs> about to fall backwards through a ton of tables after just making his re- most recent return from injury and having been on crutches for like 18 months. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I think he chickened out a little bit. I think he he, he doesn't know. It. And again, he's a he's one of the big guys in the industry. He should not know how to take a chokeslam because who the fuck is chokeslamming a giant? Yeah, it's true. It's true. He's best he does is awkwardly with another big guy. They hold each other's neck, but neither can get either of them. Yeah, he's he's meant to bump like a big man because you're booking him like a big man, and that doesn't mean he leaves his feet. It means he, you know, he's either going down one knee or whatever else, or he, you know, he sits so hard he back bumps, but he's not lifted and dropped by his neck single handedly. Hmm. Apart from here, obviously, because Super Tommy. Super Tommy, Super Tommy that makes his way to the ring, hitting Raven with a DDT. Funk then goes for the cover. He only gets a bit of confusion. Some people thought he got three, but he only got two. So Raven. Bueller here with an amazing call that changed the match for me. <laughs> Terry Funk then with a small package and got the three. Funk did it. Funk did it. Funk celebrates in the crowd as they chant our way, our way. And they announce the next pay per view in August. Yes. Um, I understand the story, but I still think it was Stevie's night. Uh, yeah, I, I get why they've put it on Terry Funk. Um, I wouldn't have put it on Terry Funk. That's the thing. It all makes sense. And when you find out, obviously, um, yeah, Beyond the Mat was following him at the time. I, I feel everything like this was a factor into it. I really do. It, it was a perfect for the... Um, for the documentary about this guy doing this. Yep. Coming out of retirement. Yeah, it added well. And like I said, he's he'd done a lot for the company. He was sort of, you know, very unselfish and selfish times and all that sort of stuff, as they said. So I think he said that pretty on the mat as well. Thank uh, Terry Funk for all he has done for this company, for helping us put us on the map, for being unselfish and selfish times, for taking young guys and showing them a better way. So it's all up there somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So on that standpoint, but I, I do, on a, you know, I felt it was Stevie's moment. I really do. But um, yeah. yeah, overall, fantastic show. I thought really loved it. it. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say, you know, I, I probably could pick holes in stuff, but I don't want to. I, I loved it. I, you know, I, I think that um, the start with Eliminators versus Dudley's was really really hot the only other match that i think would have got people on their feet as much was rob and dance at lance storm because they did some incredible spots yeah um i thought the six man was was really really good i thought shane douglas and pitbull was too long i mean that was the longest match on the night yeah but i enjoyed the story they told um taz and sabu right up to you know sabu let me tell you what happened i just choked you out pause there You've got the perfect story. Fast forward a little bit so you can hear Rob Van Dam for no apparent reason, be in a ring with, with Fonzie saying about he loves to work Mondays. And that's it. You know, you, you don't even see Taz laid out on the ringside. So, yeah, that, that would be perfect. Um, 
the the three way dance I thought was good. Um, you know, some fun spots, and for what it was, I was I was fine with the main event. Yeah, the main event was always going to go one way. They were never going to they were never going to have yeah. a twenty minute classic. They they couldn't. It would have after what Terry Funk had just gone for as well to expect him to work forty minutes. Yeah, and I mean, you, the only way you would have got anywhere close to that is if you'd done, and again, you still wouldn't because I don't think Terry Funk could do a 20-minute match on his own. Um, but the only way you could have got close to that is if you'd done like the three-way dance fairly early in the night and then come back. back out. Yeah. But if you, if that, that's not true to the Raven character. No. You know, that, that opportunist, you know, picking the weak whilst they're weak, why would he give Terry Funk the opportunity to recover from that? Why would he not pounce and, and demand that match now? Because he's just seen him have this battle. He doesn't want him to get patched up. He doesn't want him to get rest up, yeah. rested up. He doesn't want to heal in any way, shape, or form. He wants to pick the carcass, the guy that's just managed to, to survive, Sandman and C.V. Richards. So it had to be this way, and I'm all right with that. Yeah, I feel right. You know, so. it, I think it was, it was the best way. It was, it was fine for what it was. It was. And the thing is, if it had been a 20-minute match, if it had been a 40-minute match, the story would have been the same. It would have been Raven beating him up for 39 minutes, Terry Funk getting a roll-up at the end. It wouldn't have never changed. With Tommy Dreamer getting involved somewhere. Exactly. So it was perfect. Um, great ending. I've got to say, for an ECW pay-per-view, it wasn't really ECW carnage, apart from the freeway. Yeah. There was, there was a little bit in the Shane Douglas match. Yeah, a little bit, but it wasn't, you know... Nowhere near as much this, as... Exactly. No. It was... But, I mean, the gangsters weren't on there. Um, you know, Balls and Axel, that kind of thing wasn't on there. Um, a lot of the plunder-style people... Uh, Tommy Dreamer wasn't on there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the plunder-style people, I guess, weren't in there in the same sort of way. Sabu had a few tables that he went through or people went through mm. before he got there. Um, the tables aren't they weren't they're not the same are they in the same sort of no. same sort of way but like you said it was just yeah it was just I just thought it was interesting obviously Tommy Dreamer was promising you think we're extreme on TV wait for this and it's actually just a very high so work rate show yeah which I think for yeah. the people who hadn't seen it before and took a gamble you would have just seen an amazing product <laughs> I think anyway but yeah absolutely oh and that is that. That is Barely Legal 1997. ECW's first ever pay-per-view. Next week, we'll be back looking at the fallout of this to see what's going on. This uncharted territory. Because um, I've never seen after the pay-per-view. So it's going to be interesting to... Yeah. To I, I, I don't know what happens next. So I'm interested to watch and see. Um so we'll we'll kind of work out. We haven't looked yet to see how much of the next chunk of TV is covered by recaps of this fairly show. legal, like it has been on on some of the specials. So um, yeah, if they do that, we'll say follow the uh, follow follow um, the social media at underscore sports arena, uh, and we'll tell you. You know, we 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 might do if if it looks like on an episode we're doing like eight episodes. Um, that's because four of them are going to be. And here's the highlights of, and here's the highlights of, and and then the rest would be picking up. But follow at underscore sports arena for all of the latest information as to what we've seen. And whilst you're there, have a conversation with us about your memories of of barely legal, or if you've gone back and watched it, what you thought. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, like Jay said, at underscore sports read on Instagram, on Twitter, get involved with us. We're always happy to talk about wrestling, especially ECW or the crazy amount of releases in the WWE. So, yeah. Yes. Until next time, till next week. Stay extreme, have fun, stay safe, stay home. See you later. And believe me, this 